0: With my aversion to this cat, however, its partiality for myself seemed to increase. It followed my footsteps with a pertinacity which it would be difficult to make the reader comprehend. Whenever I sat, it would crouch beneath my chair or spring upon my knee, covering me with its loathsome caress. If I arose to walk, it would get between my feet and thus nearly throw me down, or, fastening its long and sharp claws in my dress, clamber in this manner to my breast. At such times, although I longed to destroy it with a blow, I was yet withheld from so doing, partly by a memory of my former crime, but chiefly let me confess it at once, By absolute dread of the beast. This dread was not exactly a dread of physical evil, and yet it should be, I should be at a loss how otherwise to define it. I am almost ashamed to own, yes, even this felon's cell, I am almost ashamed to own, that the terror and horror with which the animal inspired me had been heightened by one of the merest chimras it would be possible to conceive. My wife had called my attention more than once to the character of the mark of white hair, of which I have spoken and which constituted the sole visible difference between the strange beast and the one I had destroyed. The reader will remember that this mark, although large, had been originally very indefinite, but... By slow degrees, degrees nearly imperceptible, and which for a long time my reason struggled to reject as fanciful, it had, at length assumed a rigorous distinctness of outline. It was now the representation of an object that I shudder to name. And for this, above all, I loathed and dreaded, and would have rid myself of the monster had I dared. It was now, I say, that the image of a hideous, of a ghastly thing, of the gallows. Oh, mournful and terrible engine of horror and of crime, of agony and of death, I... And now, was I indeed wretched beyond the wretchedness of mere humanity? And a brute beast, whose fellow I had contemptuously destroyed, a brute beast to work out for me, for me a man, fashioned in the image of the high God, so much of insufferable woe. Alas, neither by day nor by night knew I the blessing of rest any more, During the former, the creature left me no moment alone, and in the latter I started hourly from dreams of unutterable fear to find the hot breath of the thing upon my face and its vast weight, an incarnate nightmare that I had no power to shake off, incumbent eternally upon my heart. Beneath the pressure of torments such as these, the feeble remnant of the good within me succumbed. Evil thoughts became my sole intimates, the darkest and most evil of thoughts. The moodiness of my usual temper increased to hatred of all things and of all mankind, while from the sudden, frequent, and unforgivable outbursts of fury to which I now blindly abandoned myself, My uncomplaining wife, alas, was the most usual and most patient of sufferers. One day she accompanied me, upon some household errand, into the cellar of the old building which our poverty compelled us to inhabit. The cat followed me down the steep stairs, and nearly throwing me headlong, exasperated me to madness." "'Uplifting an axe and forgetting in my wrath the childish dread "'which had hitherto stayed my hand, "'I aimed a blow at the animal, "'which of course would have proved instantly fatal "'had it descended as I wished. "'But this blow was arrested by the hand of my wife, "'goaded by the interference into a rage more than demoniacal. "'I withdrew my arm from her grasp and buried the axe in her brain.' She fell dead upon the spot without a groan. The hideous murder accomplished, I set myself forthwith and with entire deliberation to the task of concealing the body. I knew that I could not remove it from the house, either by day or by night, without the risk of being observed by the neighbors. Many projects entered my mind, and at one period I thought of cutting the corpse into minute fragments and destroying them by fire. At another, I resolved to dig a grave for it in the floor of the cellar. Again, I deliberated about casting it in the arrangements and so getting a porter to take it from the house. Finally, I hit upon what I considered a far better expedient than either of these. I determined to wall it up in the cellar, as the monks of the Middle Ages are recorded to have walled up their victims. For a purpose such as the cellar was well adapted, its walls were loosely constructed and had lately been plastered throughout with a rough plaster which the dampness of the atmosphere had prevented from hardening. Moreover, In one of the walls was a projection caused by a false chimney or fireplace that had been filled up and made to resemble the rest of the cellar. I had no doubt that I could readily displace the bricks at this point, insert the corpse, and wall the hole up as before, so that no eye could detect anything suspicious. And in this calculation, I had not deceived. I was not deceived by means of a crowbar i easily dislodged the bricks and having carefully deposited the body against the inner wall i propped it in that position while with little trouble i relayed the whole structure as it originally stood having procured mortar sand and hair with every possible precaution i prepared a plaster which could not be distinguished from the old and with this i carefully went over the new brick-work when i had finished i felt satisfied that it was all right the wall did not present the slightest appearance of having been disturbed the rubbish on the floor was bricked up with the minutest care I looked around triumphantly and said to myself, Here at last. Then my labor has not been in vain. My next step was to look for the beast, which had been the cause of so much wretchedness, for I had at length firmly resolved to put it to death. Had I been able to meet with it at that moment, there could have been no doubt of its fate, but it appeared that the crafty animal had been alarmed at the violence of my previous anger and and forbore to present itself in my present mood. It is impossible to describe or to imagine the deep, blissful sense of relief which the absence of the detested creature occasioned in my bosom. It did not make its appearance during the night, And thus for one night at least, since its introduction into the house, I soundly and tranquilly slept. A slept even without the burden of murder upon my soul. The second and third day passed, and still my tormentor came not. Once again I breathed as a a free man. The monster in terror fled the premises forever. I should behold it no more. My happiness was supreme. The guilt of my dark deed disturbed me but little. Some few inquiries had been made, but these had been readily answered. Even a search had been instituted, but of course nothing was to be discovered. I looked upon my future, felicity as secured. Upon the fourth day of the assassination, a party of the police came, very unexpectedly, into the house, and proceeded again to make rigorous investigation of the premises. Secure, however, in the inscrutability of my place of concealment, I felt no embarrassment whatever. The officers bade me accompany them in their search. They left no nook or corner unexplored. At length, for the third or fourth time, they descended into the cellar. I quivered not in a muscle. My heart beat calmly as that of one of the slumbers and innocents. I walked the cellar from end to end. I folded my arms upon my bosom and roamed easily to and fro. The police were thoroughly satisfied and prepared to depart. The glee at my heart was too strong to be restrained. I burned to say it, but if w- i burn to say it if but one word by way of triumph and to render doubly sure their assurance of my guiltlessness